0: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris.
1: And this is Anthony.
0: And this is the legendary, the epic, the worldwide episode number 336, Board Game Olympics for 2021 opening ceremonies. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, everyone, we're back and we have crafted the most elaborate rationale to talk about board games based (laughs) on something that is currently happening because we have to have a vehicle to talk about board games and this thinly veiled premise is what we have chosen to give you for the next two weeks.
1: I love how you describe that, yes. <laughs> You've just described our whole show. You've described well, everybody's show. I think so. I did do a lot of research, though, so it's not <laughs> that thinly veiled. I'm just saying, we had a theme, we filled it in. So,
0: <laughs> No, look, we did, we did our due diligence. Our Patreon backers are like, you guys who are super introverted, who don't like to be on camera, and don't like to do voice stuff, Go do that. And we're like, you guys are mean. And then they're like, hey, make the episodes interesting and dynamic and fun and theme based? Come on. What are you doing? (laughs) I want to do the same top 10 list every week. What are you doing? (laughs) Can we talk about Catan again? Can we we talk about Uh, (laughs) Catan? What's your top 10 party games? I mean, I think that's the funniest and the greatest thing about us is that, like, legitimately... And it's it's a hard thing for our other fellow podcasters and video people out there to come up with new stuff all the time. And, you know, there are new games, so you do need to revisit lists and things like that. But we like to bring theme, because we love theme. We're, we're thematic gamers, right? Usually when you think about theme, you think about, like, very light Amerithrash kind of gamers or story gamers or RPGers, but really... We want to have the content, just like we love our games, that the theme runs throughout. So, for some reason, the Olympics is still happening this year. It was supposed to happen last year, but the Olympics are happening this year. Should and not be happening. Should <laughs> not be happening at all. Super bad idea. But on the flip side, board game Olympics, super great idea. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's at least that's what we're going with for the time being. You you'll be you'll decide you'll decide if this was a super great idea. But one of the things we do like to do a lot is we do like to do the brackets and the games out there. And this year for the Board Game Olympics for two thousand twenty one, um, we have a very different take. Like when we do brackets, they're always different. We always bring a different bracket to the table. So let's say you're trapped because of a pandemic, and you're like, I want to listen to board game content. And we're like, hey, we've been around over eight years and have like, oh, God knows how many hundreds of episodes. You can actually listen back to all of those. They're evergreen because, again, we do new stuff every time. This time is Board Game Olympics. But Anthony, it's also different, right? We we have a different twist on it this time.
1: We do. Yeah. So what we typically do, our big bracket thing we do every year, is the NCAA tournament spinoff, whatever, legally to stand. March. Not March. that. Gamer madness silliness. Yeah. (laughs) You guys know how it goes. Yeah. Um, And so that's 64 games in whatever category we've picked. So that takes a lot of time. We build out a whole thing. We run a contest. It's a big thing. We do it every year. It's like our probably our premier episode series of the year. Yeah. But then every summer, something else happens. We get World Cups. We get Olympics that we're doing now. Um, Other things pop up. And so we try to do something special for that as well. What we're doing this time... Because we have, you know, the opening ceremonies, the closing ceremonies, the Olympics take two weeks, is we're going to do countries, so games with the name of the country, specifically, and we'll get into the details of that in a minute, this week. So we picked 16 games, we're going to run through them and pick the best one. Uh, And then we have sports next week, which are games that are based on sports, the top 16, we're going to pick just one so and then at the very end of it we'll have a discussion maybe we'll talk about which of those is better depends on what we kind of end up with and how they compare to each other but the idea here is we're gonna talk about countries we're gonna talk about sports and hopefully give you guys kind of a peek at some games maybe you haven't heard of or played because there are a lot of i'm not gonna call them obscure but they're kind of obscure so (laughs) um we're, we're diving deep here a little bit on some of these and it's fun it's always fun to do that it's just not you know It's not like the top 100 games over and over again put into a a bracket.
0: Yeah, and especially since what we're looking at is obviously Olympics are based in countries and they're based in sports. So why not? Right. Why not? I mean, we didn't talk about, you know, Euro 2020, the big soccer or football championship, which Italy won. Go Italy, um, which was a great game, by the way, if you ever saw it. But Anthony and I are kind of recovering you know, sports fans and we kind of became super hardcore board game fans. So there's still, there's still the sports jockness in us. Don't judge if you look at us. Right. But I, you know, I played, I played (laughs) soccer. I did some things. I did some things. I did some sports. I was in varsity teams. So yeah, I think that this will be very fun for all of you to listen and follow through with us. And obviously, again, it is a really fun way to talk about board games and especially board games that usually don't get the time or the airspace You know that they usually deserve. And again, we want you to revisit great games. We want you to get great games to the table. Here's an opportunity to talk about some great games in a really fun way. We hope you enjoy it. If you do, let us know. If you don't, let us know. Because again, we want to know. So, <laughs> And again, all the hard work is in here. Just Just the theme is thinly veiled, but it goes through the whole thing. Because again, Olympics. Amazing, wonderful, dramatic, beyond belief. But board games, better, right? We all agree, right? I think we agree. 100%. 100%.
1: That's
0: why we're all here. Gold, silver, bronze, cardboard, man. We want cardboard. (laughs) Yes. So let's talk about our cardboard awards. So, Anthony, you got this bracket all geared up. Uh, Why don't you start us off and let us know?
1: Yeah. So before we dive in, just kind of a a little background here on what we did. We have this, again, this week... Games with the country name, right? Yes. So we're based looking at country. games <laughs> based on a country. Yeah. And so there there's some caveats here. There are thousands of games with country names in them, but we avoided like strictly war games. So like every coin game has a country name in it. Basically, we didn't do those.
0: And um, honestly, Anthony, like the Olympics are literally the opposite of war, right? Like, isn't yes. that the whole idea sure. of the Olympics?
1: Yeah, it's the whole point. It's all come together as one globe one world and celebrate sport of course someone's got to win but th- they win non-violently <laughs> so uh, and these games aren't all non-violent but the whole point is we're not doing like you know fire in the sky vietnam whatever like those are not games we're going to look at uh we also kind of excluded some games maybe we'll get to this later but some games are just thematically like it's not necessarily about that country. It's about things that happened in or to that country, which is like, eh, not ideal. Uh, and we really did try to stick to it as much as we could. There are some exceptions here, which you'll see where maybe there's another word or two mixed in, um, or maybe some caveats, but for the most part, 16 games, 16 countries. Let's talk about them.
0: <laughs> All right. So what do you have up for us, for us, Anthony?
1: All right. So our number one seed in this is the splotter, Game, uh, named Indonesia, which Uh is all about the. So it's it's kind of a funny thing. It's an economic game. It's not definitely not a war game. It's heavy, heavy economics. Lots of math, like weird math too, which gives you headaches. Uh, but it's it's purely economic. There's like bidding mechanisms in it. It's a lot of pick up and deliver stuff. The game is super mean because it's a splatter game. Not my favorite (laughs) splatter game, but a fantastic game in general because it's a splatter game. Sure up against our number 16 seed Lords of Scotland uh, from Mm -hmm. Richard James back in 2010. Uh, This was a card game, fairly simple card game takes about 35 minutes. And it, a a few of these games are going to go back a little bit maybe haven't heard of them, maybe a little bit older, but Mm -hmm. uh, the whole idea of the game is the throne to Scotland is empty. The clans are restless. You are a Lord. You are trying to lay your claim to the throne. So, uh, Mm -hmm. What do you think, sir?
0: Well, I I guess again we 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 have to now some of the metrics that we're going to use the rubric that we're going to use to to kind of judge this is like representative of the country, right? Right. Like because these are games that that are like the best country games, and then obviously we'll kind of um, gear them up. <clears throat> Lords of Scotland, like you said, older game, two thousand ten. Obviously, Indonesia even older, two thousand five. Right. I played both of these, and honestly, I was horrified to play Indonesia because it is big, it is sprawling, uh, you know, it is one of those games that is intimidating, but you do get Indonesia's economic, you know, cycle here, how they move products and all the, and the specific products and stuff, and that's really fun and dynamic, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm saying Indonesia, my friend.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you, right, because... We're not just talking about, like, Western business people coming into Indi- yeah. Indonesia, right? It's not about that. It's the Sultan of Solo, a businessman yeah. from North Sumatra, building up his empire in Indonesia. Yeah. That's great. So it's it's local. It's somewhat historical. It hurts my head. It's not my favorite of the recent <laughs> games at all. But if you ask me which game I thought was more interesting and more evocative, And the map is beautiful, too. So So, like, you're playing in Indonesia. You go to all these different islands. The font's illegible, but everything else is great. So, yeah, I'm with you. Indonesia. All right. Indonesia
0: moves on to the next round.
1: All righty. So, next up, we have uh, 2005. uh, We had China, Mm -hmm. which is an abstract game of political influence in China. So players use different cards to place pieces into the different regions of the board and are trying to kind of uh, maneuver for uh, dominance. It's only a 45-minute game, relatively short. It's been re-implemented in several other games, and it actually re-implemented itself, Web of Power, an earlier game, um, which was about Europe, I believe. So, you know... I guess it comes full circle, but, um, and then our number nine seed. So that was number eight. Our number nine seed is hotel Samoa, Mm -hmm. which is kind of about the, the, uh, tourism industry in Samoa. Uh, so you are multiple new tourists are coming in from various places to the island. New upgrades become available and different build tiles. You're kind of building out a tableau here. Um, there's an auction mechanism built into the game to, to kind of, capture those things and build out the best possible hotel, uh, and, and attract those tourists. So it's, and, you know, obviously that's what these tropical islands deal with is that their tourism is our industry. Um, and, and it has an interesting take on that is what I'll say, because I don't know that we have a lot of games that are necessarily about tourism, <laughs> but sure. Um, they're borderline problematic, but I think the game walks the line a little bit. Um, Especially coming from you know a designer out of Europe, so that is our eight and nine seed. What do you think?
0: I actually owned Hotel Samoa for a, for a time before I put it, I put in the the charity kind of raffle. Uh, as you said, the concept of their hotel tourism kind of market, you know, as an economic motivator and stuff like that. It's it's very lightly touched upon, but you do have the other countries and their flags as far as the, they're kind of visiting the country. It's a, like, cool kind of family game. Um, China is is a legitimate, you know, even though it's an abstract, it's a legitimate map of China. And it is, you know, legitimately about, um, you know, something a lot more. So you're really dealing with strategy into territory building, um, area influence, everything that's very true about the country. So I'm going to go with China here. Uh, Hotel Samoa, Love Samoa, just doesn't do enough to really represent the country uh for me
1: i'm with you yeah i I was gonna go with china as well um i have not played china itself but i played awari which is like a more recent reimplementation of china that came out last year and i really liked that that one's kind of a more fantasy world but yeah uh but yeah no i definitely like the fact that it's (sighs) the maps you get to see where the different power and influence is in china and yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I
0: and I think when when some of these come down to like a tiebreaker, they're going to come down to what is a better game or what's more fun to play. You know, like right. we want something that's truly representative, and then then we can turn to is it a good game. So right. with China, it, the system is a better game, just flat out a better game.
1: Right. All right. Moving on to the next batch of games. Here we got number five, Jamaica, which is. Really, a game about pirates and racing. Um, it's not really about Jamaica at all. It just happens to take place in Jamaica in the yep. 17th century. Um, there, we've got Captain Henry Morgan. He's now the governor of Jamaica, and he, his job now is to cleanse the Caribbean of pirates and buccaneers. So, uh, but you know, he's a former pirate himself. So he invites them all in, and they end up kind of having this big race around the island. Uh, so it's silly. It's designed to be silly. It's not supposed to be serious, and yeah. the artwork is reflective of that. Um, sure. It's not a good representation necessarily of Jamaica and its past or it's or anything about it. It's, it's about pirates being silly. Uh, and then we have Tobago, which came out in 2009 as our number 12 seed. Um, this is designed by Bruce Allen, and this is an adventure game in which players are trying to go out and uh utilize different treasure maps that they've picked up to capture more information about locations of the treasures on the map they're basically trying to get stuff right it's a modular board uh it's again takes place on an island you're trying to uncover treasure um it's more of a deduction game an adventure game than you know jamaica's just silly family style fun uh both of these are decent games i don't know how good Either of them necessarily represents the country that is in their name, but they're both uh, they're both fun to play.
0: Yeah, I I've played both of these. I own a copy of Jamaica. I think you know Barnes and Noble one day had their their like sale, and and that was one of the games that was like on massive discount. And you do get a lot for the game. And I think actually they're going to reprint it or have reprinted it like right around now. Probably by the time people listen to this, uh, you know. Tobago is a game that is obviously a little more abstract in looks, but with the different statues and even the little palm tree miniatures that come in the game, there is a little more, a little more thematic uh, appeal to Tobago. Whereas you said, Jamaica, as far as, you know, the country being represented, the map is kind of there but it's really almost completely other than the fact that they were pirates, I guess, around that area. So I'm going right. to go with Tobago there. Because, again, um, both not necessarily truly represent of the country. But if I if I have to go to tiebreaker there, Tobago is more of the country, even though it's a little abstracted.
1: Yeah, man, I, I thought you were going to go with Jamaica. So I'm, I'm happy I was going to go with Tobago <laughs> as well. Um, I, I've also played both of these. I like both of these. Jamaica is more of a game I play with the kids. But Tobago is great so yeah Yeah. i'll get that
0: yeah i like i honestly like jamaica more for fun but tobago as far as countries concerned is definitely more representative of that uh you know so yeah so tobago moves on to the next round next up anthony
1: next up we got number four nippon uh this is about the industrial revolution in japan during the meiji period and then we have Guatemala Cafe, which is from Inca and Marcus Brand, but back in 2006, like back what? before they were big household names. And it's about coffee planting and selling in Guatemala. So um, these are two very different games. Uh, Nippon is a relatively heavy uh, game from Nuno Sentiero and Paulo Soledad from What's Your Game? Very famous designers there. And the, the whole idea of this game is you are building up different industries and trying to generate influence in these different locations um based on the the conglomerates that kind of took power and gained so much power during the very very rapid industrialization of japan that took place in the end of the 19th century um i love this game i own this game it's, it's one of my favorite games and i think it does a good job of representing japan at that time right people think of japan they think of like samurai and the and the You know, Heian period and Kyoto and all the cherry blossoms, like all the things that are kind of like tropes of of the history of that country. But the Japan that we have today, a lot of it was born in like just this rapid, rapid industrialization that took place, um, you know, during this time. And Nippon really captures that pretty well, uh, I I feel like. Um, Guatemala Cafe is cute. It's interesting. It's a good coffee game. Uh, and, And it does touch on like a specific industry in that location. But um, for me, at least, I definitely would stick with Nippon.
0: Yeah, I mean, Guatemala Cafe. I mean, it's it's one of the first times that I I have seen you know a country at least its the artwork on the cover representative of the people and not right. of you know a corporation or industrial empire or colonization coming in there at least from at least from the artwork and and what we're looking at here in Guatemala, right? So. A, you know, a country that doesn't receive the respect for, for the products they export and produce. So, I mean, technically, I mean, at least at least as far as the mechanics are concerned and the categories are concerned, fairly similar in that kind of way, you know. Right. But um, Guatemala Cafe, you know, came out in 2006 and, and has not, you know, reappeared. Guatemala Cafe, I think, anywhere else, maybe pretty much almost anywhere else in this bracket probably would have won. But Nippon does the same thing, but goes pretty far in, into the Meiji period. Like this is pretty dynamic, right? This is this is not just hey, you're running, you know, you're running a, a supply chain here. This is multiple errors, and it's all the different aspects to Japan, as you said, the rapid industrialization, and you do have to make choices, like how you're going to, you know, run the different corporations, and such. So I'm also going to join you here, Anthony, and go with Nippon
1: all right nippon moving on uh next matchup we have number six greenland um from phil eckland uh i guess the third edition that's the most recent edition of the game which is a survival game in which players represent the several different tribes inhabiting greenland in the 11th sure. to 15th centuries so the Tunate, norse sea si, Sami, and thule tribes um and you're you're trying to get food, resources, technology, increase the size of your tribe. Just It's like civilization type of stuff, but in a very unique card-based way. And then we have, at number 11, Australia, uh, from Michael Kiesling and Wolfgang Kramer uh, from 2005. This is a game of... Um, so each player controls a group of rangers who are working on nature and industry projects in Australia about 100 years ago. So... It shows the six states of Australia at the time, um, each of those are divided up into multiple regions, and players are going to kind of fly their plane around, uh, turn up industry counters, and then play a card or or do something with their ranger in those locations. Uh, so it's it's area control uh, to a certain degree, but it also has little planes, which are kind of cute, and, and run around. It's probably very reflective of Australia in 1920s. I don't know about today. Um, but obviously back in at that point it was very much frontier land still. Um Greenland is reflective of Greenland, you know, a thousand years ago. Um probably. Uh so this one's tough. I don't really know which way I'd go. Uh
0: I, I am I do like Australia though. It's that's that's a fun game. You know, it's not Australia unless it has Cthulhu in it for me. I'm just saying.
1: I know I almost put Australia on here, but I was like it's not really the name of the country, though, is it? It's got it's a Z got in It's got a there.
0: Z in it. Yeah, I mean, isn't that the? Isn't that you know? It's like we just talked about Japan and Nippon. Isn't the real the way you pronounce Australia with a Z? Isn't that the way? Isn't that the way the natives do it? Come on, man. Work with me here. Come on. I want. To, I love that game. I really love that game. I actually do love that game. I didn't back it on Kickstarter because you know shipping costs, but I really love that game. So I'm a little bummed out by that. Uh, yeah, I mean. It's it's quite difficult because as you said, both are representative of, of different area, you know, areas out there as far as the challenges concern. Yeah, let you know what let's go with Australia just because you know Cthulhu Light version of Australia is fine by me.
1: All right. Moving on, Australia number eleven. Who's uh, on next matchup. We got three Cuba. Uh-huh. Uh uh from Michael Rainick and Stefan Stadler, 2007. And we have number 14, Vanuatu, uh, from Uh, Alan Epron, from 2016. Well, the second edition's from 2016. The original version's from a little bit older. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, as I believe you played both of these, I have not actually played both of these. What do you think?
0: I love both these games. Uh, And it's it's actually really hard. I'm really disappointed that both of them ended up against each (laughs) other because... Looking at this early thing, I was like, these games are going to go to the end because both of these games are fairly representative of, you know, the imports, exports, the industries of the land, Um, somewhat abstractly, obviously, representative of the land township and the, the economic climate and such. So really hard to say what kind of does the difference and again we're we're taking a look at what's truly representative of the country is if you if you play cuba the artwork the buildings the the actual politics are in this game about how you know votes and laws and how that affects the <laughs> gameplay plus the incredible markets that go on and how things are shipped and brought in and it really is, it's an amazing game. Like, if I had two bucks, and I don't have two bucks these days, but if I had two bucks to put together, I would reprint this game on Kickstarter tomorrow, because this is more representative of the country, and Final is such a great game, but this is actually a, an amazing Euro game that does not get the attention it deserves. I went crazy tracking down the expansion, which makes the game even better, and I just love this game, and I'm really sorry it's it's been out of print since uh, oh, God only knows, but it came out in 2007. So, my friend, if we're good, Cuba moves on to the next round.
1: I'm with you, man. Let's do it. All right, <clears throat> all right. Next up, we've got number seven, Macau. This one's a little tricky. I know some people will say Macau's not a country, but <laughs> it it was an and independent I... kind of state sponsored. I don't know. The Portuguese leased it for a long time. So it's effectively like a Hong Kong yeah. um, until 1999, same year as Hong Kong uh, moved up back under Chinese control. And it's being reimplemented by Amsterdam. So, cause I know there's some, you know, there are definitely some thematic issues with Macau, especially the way this game portrays the city and the European, the Portuguese coming in and basically like building over parts of it. <laughs> not great. Not great. Um, so Amsterdam I'll play will not be like that. Uh, yeah. And then we have number 10, Italia. So Italia yeah. takes place uh, over the course of like 1500 years. So this is like ancient Rome up through Italy in the 12th century. Uh, mm-hmm. So it takes place, you have basically two phases too where the game kind of breaks it up for like the first half is uh, Ital- Italia one, you've got a three player game simulating ancient Italy until 80 BC. So like the first 300 years or so of the Roman empire. And then Italia two is a four player game. It takes place at the fall of the Roman empire up through medieval Italy, which is just fascinating to me. It's, it's just an interesting way to build a game. Um, sure. This is designed by Andrea Stedding who's somebody that we, we both know and love. Has done a lot of mm-hmm. good games. And I had not seen a ton of information about this before, like kind of doing this research for this. It is kind of a war type of game. So, um, you know, I know we said no war games, but it, it kind of falls into that middle category because it's not crazy heavy, but yeah. it is super long, just so y'all know. It's like it's like four hours long. Um so there you go. Italia and Macau. Macau is one of my favorite Stefan Fell games, but definitely problematic thematically. Um but it is coming back out as Amsterdam.
0: Which is weird. Um yeah. I, I, I backed it, but that's still really weird. Like look some games that come out and you're like thematically eh," but come on it's it's still weird (laughs) it's still weird it's like yeah uh what are you feeling anthony give give me a sense here what are you thinking Uh,
1: this one's hard i i'm i'm gonna lean towards italia because again we put our number one criteria here as representative of the country right yeah um macau it's not representative necessarily of the country or that region. It's representative mm-hmm. of what the European settlers did to that region. Yeah. It's a colonialism game, right? Yeah. Italia is about 1500 years of history in that region. And obviously everybody's fighting with each other over it, but that's what happened. So yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, purely mechanically. I, I like Bacal better. I'm happy we're getting a new version that I'll be able to yeah. bring to the table and enjoy. Um, but Italia I think better represents what we're
0: talking about today. And you know, the the real difference maker here, Anthony, I think you'll agree with me. If you can re if you can rebrand your game with a different country, it's not representative of the country.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's it didn't yeah. matter where it took place. I mean, it's a Stefan Feld game, so it didn't matter where it took place in the first place. <laughs> He's rethemed half his games at this point.
0: <laughs> I know. It's like, you know, like we, we all kind of look the other way. Like it's when you watch, you know, Christopher Nolan film and you're like, oh, that wasn't a plot hole. You know, like yeah. <laughs> that's like Stefan Feld. Like that's not just a point salad. It's really representative of that. You're like, yeah, yeah. you know, so uh, yeah. yeah. So if if, I- if your game could be rebranded like that, you're out. you're at Macau. I love that comparison, (laughs) by the way, like
1: Stefan Feld as Christopher Nolan. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, we should do a whole episode where we just compare designers to famous directors and be like, all right, who's the Spielberg of gaming?
0: Is it (laughs) Knicia? Excellent. That's definitely, that's going to definitely be the next episode. So yeah. So Italia moves on to next round.
1: All right. Uh, Uh, and And then last but not least, we have, Kind of the same issue, <laughs> like uh, number two, Puerto Rico. Um, uh-huh. For a long time, considered the number one game of all time, but generally in the last five to ten years or so, considered fairly problematic for a lot of very obvious reasons. Um, if you haven't had a chance yet, Chris, you sent this article over, so maybe you remember the, the name of it. But there's an article in the Atlantic that just came out this week talking about this specific problem in hobby board games of colonialism. Right? Just this is a game about. Colonialism and colonists from Europe going into a country and destroying it and then we kind of abstract it all. Um we've talked about this a lot and yeah. Puerto Rico like mechanically, I love the mechanics of this game. I love it in other games that do it better and without the problematic issues, like the whole race sure. for the galaxy series. Um I've actually never played Puerto Rico because by the time I was aware of it in the hobby, it was already to that point of people being like, Well, maybe you don't need to play Puerto Rico. So I've not played it, but I'm well aware of the issues with it. Sure. Um, the game that we're pitting up against it is number 15, The Great Zimbabwe. Now, this game's amazing. I love this game. It's one of my top 10 games of all time. It is not specifically named after Zimbabwe. So I do want to caveat that. But I wanted to include it because Zimbabwe, the country, is named after, or at least in relation to The Great Zimbabwe, which is a World Heritage Site that what is this area around which all these old kingdoms were built in kind of the ancient uh times in in Africa, so I think it's relevant, you know like obviously that's it's part of the heritage it's part of the way that the whole area of the country developed and how these um how Zimbabwe was eventually named uh and this game is purely about the economics and um growth uh, of these different kingdoms at that time so uh, it's one of my favorite games it's the fastest splatter game i owned uh so mechanically i love it i know you're not as big a fan but i love it um and then we've got puerto rico which is considered again one of the best games of all time number 29 on the list but neither of us want to play it so i don't know i don't know where we land on this it's tough
0: yeah despite how other podcasters make me play it for their benefit but that's another story for another day um, you know, as somebody of Puerto Rican descent, when I, when I got into board gaming and I had heard that there was a game called Puerto Rico and it was number one on board game geek, I was honestly like thrilled and honored. I was like, I can't believe that we finally get our due. And that was before I played the game, of course. And I'm yeah. like, oh no. <laughs> and even Not when a... you play the game, like it's, it's like a, it's like a slow burn Hitchcock horror movie where you're like, mm. I mean, we're not getting into we're not getting into that ish, those issues here, but you know, I'm of Italian descent, Italia, and I'm of Puerto Rican descent here, and I'm like, can't we just have a game that's representative of our country and and what we're known for, and not just what you know the trauma, right? Like, so just let me just do a little side thing here. You are not your trauma. You are what you do after something happens to you. So, a little philosophy, psychology, existentialism, you know, that's what you should be representative as. So, it's Puerto Rico, the mechanics are like maybe in the top five of board gaming. All the things it does, the role selection, everything, fantastic. It's been re- re-implemented it multiple times. It's, sh- you know, again, it should be done, it should be revised, it should be a new theme because the mechanics are good, but you can find the mechanics in a lot of other games out there. I think even most specifically, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition mm. utilizes the same mechanics. So, go play that because I actually played that. It's a really good game. Um, the article that Anthony was referring to, which I do recommend everyone read um, because it's, it's a great article from the Atlantic, the board games that ask you to reenact uh, colonialism. And it's not a bashing of games or game designers. It's actually a very fair favorable piece on designers who've made these choices and, and, and hopefully and why they, they're going to be making better choices in the future. Um, so. Regardless, Puerto Rico, mechanically a great game, but that's not what we're making the decision here. What we're making the decision is is it representative of the country? Is there some element to it that the country would behold and say, this is who I am? And the colonization of Puerto Rico and the exploitation is not, you know, what Puerto Ricans would say is representative of who they are. The great Zimbabwe, on the other hand, there are elements that are very true of the country. And the reason why. And and the reason you know how they came upon the name, and it's also a good game. It's it's definitely not my favorite splatter. So that's just, that's <laughs> Anthony, uh, but the Great Zimbabwe moves on to the next round. All right, cool.
1: So there we go. That's round one. Uh, we've got eight games left here. Let's let's divvy them up here. Uh, so let's jump back to the top. We got number one yep. Indonesia, which we talked about a splatter game yep. with two splatter games in the finals. So. Good job, Splatter guys! More yeah, generally <laughs> representative games around the
0: world. It's great. Of all uh, people, of I all know. people, seriously, have you played a Splatter? Like it's like it's like math, like to the like the twelfth dimension, and they somehow did put a theme in these things, and I don't know how they do it, and I'm really <laughs> I'm surprisingly impressed because if you ever play a Splatter game, or even if you looked at a Splatter game, you're like ah, and they did it, guys, you did it, <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, one of the co-designers of Splatter is like a PhD in mathematics from the Netherlands. You would not expect it, but here you go. I, this is what they build. I know. So, anyways, we got Indonesia, economics in Indonesia, <laughs> uh, and then we got China, with our uh, number eight seed. Uh, again, about the uh, kind of abstracting the political influence game of China. Um, you know, kind of going back in time a little bit. So sure. What do we think of these two games? Very different. One's mm-hmm. very much an economic game, very economic game. Indonesia's math for days. Like the most mathy. It is. I would consider it the most mathy splatter game. Uh really? And that's that's okay. saying a lot.
0: That so, is saying a lot. Yeah.
1: Um And then we got China, which is, again, it's more of an area-majority influence game based on card drafting. It's a little bit lighter. It's like a 2.5 versus Indonesia, which is a straight 4.
0: But it is, you know, I'm going to go to Indonesia because here's here's the difference maker here. I mean, I think, first off, China's map is really abstracted where Indonesia's map is representative. Uh, And I think also the fact that there really is a significant supply chain that happens here that allows for the production of products is also representative of the country. So again, I'll be the first one to, you know, just to go, that is way too much math. Like literally if you play Indonesia, you should have a calculator at the table. Oh, but it is certain. And there's a million chits. There's, there really is. But at the same time, you do feel like you're playing a game and, you know, and doing a supply chain and market that is products that are not just traditional, typical wheat, grain, wood, stone kind of thing. This is their products and culture um, in an economic structure game. So I'm going to go with Indonesia.
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's hard, man. This is a hard one for me because I like China. I like Awari. I like this system. I like it works really well. I like this version of it sure. because, you know, obviously it's representative of China specifically, but we talked about this before. If you can take that and like retheme it with, XYZ other things—is it really representative of it? Right? Is it just a system that happens to take place in China? This game re-implemented Web of Power, which takes place in Europe, so obviously you have a (laughs) European map, and then it's re-implemented by Han, which is also in China, but way more abstracted, and then Awari, which is a fantasy game. So I think I'm going to go with you on Indonesia, even though I think I'd rather play China, um, yeah, just because. We just have Indonesia and it is, you know, the map is effective. The goods that you're producing there, you know, are reflective of the region, Sure, the the time and the cost, all the things that are there, all the, you know, the shipping lines, everything that's in that game are reflective of that time in that country. Um, mm-hmm. Even if I don't want to play it. <laughs> so.
0: Well, look, even, even the map, even the island structure of Indonesia plays a role in the game as you are transporting yeah. the goods So that map has, it has to be Indonesia to be that game, right? Because it is a very unique set of um, pieces of land and how those things, you know, how the the shipping and and all that occurs. You couldn't just, you couldn't just have that in France. It just, it's just not a thing you could do. So, yeah. So that's, again, keeping to the thematic theme of, is it a country? Is it a game representative of the country? absolutely it's a game representative of the country. It's not colonization. It's not that kind of like strip mining of the culture. And again, when you play the game, you are learning the geography of it and you and the geography plays a role. For so for nothing else, the geography really plays a role with China it's abstracted to the point of square hex, square hex around the board. It really doesn't, you know, right. make a difference. So. Mm-hmm and i agree it's 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 a it's a good game but it it is one of those games where like i don't know maybe you should take a shot of bourbon before you play it or something like that i don't don't know just like (laughs) we're playing this woo! and i don't i don't recommend it someone who doesn't drink but like it's a game it'll it'll blow your hair back by the
1: end yeah Yeah. you should definitely (laughs) play it once at least once i've done that i played it once
0: Ah. Twice. Yeah, I no, played it twice.
1: I played it once online, but ugh.
0: no, I've it, again, <laughs> it's it's one of those games that if you can, if if it's again, if a game that you can like mentally engage in, it, it does, you know, does repay. Like it is, it is, you know, deep and rich. There is a lot to it. Right. Like the country.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So moving on to the next matchup, we got number 12, Tobago, which we talked mm-hmm. about. Adventure yes. game, deduction, trying to find treasure on Tobago. And then number four, Nippon, which is, again, about the industrialization of Japan in the Meiji period, uh, kind of changing from this closed, isolated, feudal country into the big industrialized state um, that Japan became at the end of the 19th century. So I, I personally, I would say Nippon, I think Tobago, again, while good and while interesting, is really just about running around and finding treasure. I don't think you get a sense of the country necessarily. The map is, there's a map there, but it's kind of abstracted. Sure. Um Nippon is literally about this period of time in this country which is very important. And sure. there's a map, there's representative economy, there's representative actions that you're taking, uh and, and all the goods that you're producing are representative of what they were doing at the time. So, I'm I'm going to say Nippon.
0: Yeah, I think probably you know, beyond the statue, beyond the tobacco um the huts the trees that are represented the country the landscape is of course abstracted and again like you said it is exploring for treasure where if they would have and again maybe in the future they will do this maybe they will revisit it and like instead of searching for treasure like you said deduction style maybe you do search out the richness of the country I mean, why not? Right. Why does it have to be specific treasure? I mean, you go on vacation, you're not going there with a, with a, a map with a giant X on it. You're going to discover right. the country and explore that. So just right. tweak that and you might have a chance. But right now, Nippon is just kicking your butt. I'm sorry. Like th- <laughs> that game is like, again, you know, there is obviously an abstract element to it, but it is representative. It does have the map. It does have the time period. It does have the products that were produced, just like Indonesia. Like that's pretty telling. Right. So, yeah. Right. Depan moves on to the next round.
1: All right. All right. So next up, we got number 11, Australia versus number three, Cuba. Uh, Australia, again, you're flying around in 1920s Australia. It's it's a Kiesling Kramer game. It's good. I feel like if they brought this one back and redid it and upgraded it for 2021, people probably be all over it. Uh, But it's been out of print for a while. So (laughs) it's not expensive, but it hasn't been around for a while. Um, Cuba, everything you said about it—it's fantastic. It's all pre-revolution Cuba. Uh, sure, I, I, I love the look of this game. I wish I had a chance to play. It. I mean, maybe I do have a chance to play it uh, now that I'm moving out near you. But um, it has little—it
0: would... has little meeple rum bottles. That's Ooh. so cool. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's—it's it's a really beautiful artistic presentation of Cuba. I guess you know the city and the capital and the buildings and. And actually, the different workers that you know work in Cuba, and there's really solid representation throughout throughout the game. It's like real representation in a number of different ways. And you know, there's no Cthulhu in the other game. I mean, come on, how are you not going to talk about Australia without Cthulhu? I mean, they have the giantest, the giant, you know, you know, killer mosquitoes and bugs out there anyway. So yeah, I'm going to go. with or- <laughs> If it was Australia with a Z, maybe, because that's truly representative of Australia, but nah, not the other one. So I'm going Cuba.
1: I know we have Australian listeners right now. They're like, man, we don't have Cthulhu. Get off of there.
0: They have every other thing that tries to kill you. <laughs> Why would they not have Cthulhu? If Cthulhu was anywhere on the planet, it'd be in Australia. Come on. I mean, look, I, I respect our Australian listeners. I don't know how you do it. You're far. Look, I'm from New York City. But you are far tougher than I am coming from Australia. Like I see those like I see the videos like, oh, and this thing is just walking through my house. This and I'm like lighter. that's this is big, yeah. Yeah, it's it's very elder goddish kind of countryside of all the things that are out there. So I don't know. Good luck to you all out on how you're doing it out there. <laughs> you might be better off, Cthulhu, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> hats off guys (laughs) hats off i mean my. i mean like real respect like no joke i don't know how you do it but yeah uh so (laughs) all right cuba cuba moves on next round
1: all right so we got one more match up here we'll move on to just the last four from this side uh we've got italia number 10 uh Mm -hmm. based on britannia to some degree and then we have number 15, the Great Zimbabwe, which again, not about Zimbabwe, about the Great Zimbabwe, the World Heritage Site, but very much an important part of the heritage of Zimbabwe as a country. So we've got, again, we've got 1500s of hit, 1500 years of European history, and it's a bit of a war game versus kind of this very unique game that tells a story of ancient civilizations, kingdoms in Africa we don't get games like this very often. And it's very abstract. It's not very pretty to look at, but it's different. It's unique. It's specific. And, like, I don't know. I'm obviously a big fan for The Great Zimbabwe, but what do you think?
0: <laughs> I'm, I, you know, the funny thing is, and we've talked about this before, I don't think The Great Zimbabwe is a bad game. I just, it's just something that just, for whatever reason, it's one of those rare splatters. And I like all of really the other splatters. It just doesn't land with me, right. but you know what was really interesting about the way you're talking about these two games, Anthony. And again, what we've been talking about is what is representative of the country. Right. And there's a lot of wonderful things to say about Italy, and obviously um, the military battles and the regional disputes and things that have occurred, especially over that 1500 time period, is you know an exceptional thing to be able to tell in a board game. But again, as you as you said from the start of the thing. There's a reason why they can't why they call the country Zimbabwe right there there is something you know um elemental and essential embodied um on some level with this game so I'm gonna go with the great Zimbabwe, not my favorite but um I think more representative of the country than just military conflicts all right, I'll take it <laughs>
1: um all right, so we got four left. And just two matchups here, and then we'll have one more matchup after that to choose the winner. Uh, sure. So first up, we got number one Indonesia versus number four Nippon. Really These hard. These games are very similar. <laughs> very similar. They
0: are. <laughs> Jeez, it's <laughs> literally got... it's literally two big island Alcabalcos like out there, you know, with their own unique like goods and services and things like that. Oh my god! How how? i don't know i know
1: (laughs) i i just love to like we have we have to pick games that are representative of countries but we're also board gamers who like economic games so let's talk about games that talk about the economics of these countries
0: hey can i can i do i mean i throw another sports term. can i can i throw an audible in here yeah sure we do uh, how about instead of coming down to a winner of this bracket in keeping with the thematic nature of the olympics why don't we do a gold silver bronze we got we have four great games let's come out with gold silver and bronze i like that that is good so i guess it's the first
1: yeah no that's great good it's good we didn't even think of that it's great no we planned it we planned it 100 you guys don't even know um all right so i guess step one is we got to figure out which game is not gonna make it
0: yeah, I think yeah, because if you're if you're reading off the winners or you see the winners or like the countries are announced in the Olympics, it usually is bronze up, right? So until right. so we 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 kind of lead with the gold situation. And a lot of these things, if you do watch the Olympics, and God bless all the athletes for their lifetime of dedication to their individual sports, I can't imagine. You know, I can't imagine the level of detail and dedication and sacrifice. Uh, and then to lose out from like point 0.1 or something like that, but honestly it's board games. So it's even more important, right? And these games and the number four game is probably going to lose out, you know, because of a point one. So, right. uh, yeah. So, you know, for me, Anthony, uh, again, we, we have some really challenging decisions to go here. I do think that, um, If I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to put a game at the the number four level, um, just because it is, even though it's representative of the country, it is abstracted um, to a point. And that's the Great Zimbabwe is probably not going to make it um, for me as far as that that next move.
1: Yeah, I I think I have to agree. I mean, I love this game. I love what it represents. But at the end of the day, it is fairly you don't learn a lot about the great Zimbabwe, right? You play through some of the mechanics related to it and what the kingdoms do. Also like modern day Zimbabwe, the whole idea of even naming it Zimbabwe didn't even come up until like the 1960s. Mm. So it was something that happened relatively late. Um, Sure. It was known as Southern Rhodesia and Rhodesia after that. Uh, And so, and not that that's, you know, doesn't really take away from it. The name of the country now is Zimbabwe, but this is something, you know, it's, it's a piece of its history. It's a piece of its past. It's important. I definitely recommend that you, you know, read about it or look it up or play the game it would be amazing. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you. I think the other three games are representative of what we know about these countries today like Absolutely. how they got there and,
0: and more recently. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. So the great Zimbabwe does not make the final podium, but has been a fair competitor in this Olympic competition Uh, Anthony, our number three, our bronze medal, um, I will leave that to you for my friend to make that selection here.
1: Okay. Um, I think Mm -hmm. it should be Indonesia. Indonesia. Okay. Why so? So Indonesia, you get the beautiful map, which is fantastic. But at the end of the day, it's a splatter game. Things are relatively abstracted. (laughs) I don't think you learn a ton about the country. I mean, you learn about the economics of the time. You get to see the map and how things move between the different islands. Um, you also know the goods of the time. But at the end I of the wait. day, like that game boils down to multiplying things times 17 sure. and dividing things by 17. And that's like the last half of that game. That's all you're doing is just pulling out a calculator. So
0: I want to add, I think we should talk about the products just ever so briefly because, again... It is unique to Indonesia, and I think that's something we don't typically see. So you are looking at rice, you're looking at spices, you're looking at rubber and oil, and here's my favorite one, honestly, yes. microwav- microwavable meals. Yes,
1: well, I, you're funny. <laughs> I,
0: I thought somebody was messing with me. And we're like, oh yeah, you could also you know develop and trade you know export microwavable meals. I'm like, yeah, right. That's a th- no, it's actually a thing. So like again, you you know you learn a little something. And yeah, so all right. So our bronze medal winner is Indonesia. Congratulations to Indonesia. A splatter game that uh, is, you know, a really solid, wonderful attempt to display and, you know, and simulate really that kind of economic market supply chain. So you definitely check that out. Beautiful box too, by the way.
1: Oh, just the best box. If, if oh, the yeah. board was, if the board matched it perfectly, it would be possibly a silver i don't know like if i could read that font it'd
0: be great (laughs) all right so that leaves us up to our civil uh, (laughs) silver medal and again this is a very difficult choice because there are so many great games here and what we're looking at here is our final two anthony um nippon and cuba coming down to the end both games truly representative of the wonderful culture, their their industry, their supply chain, their economics, their exports. Both games almost do kind of the same thing, in fact, mm. in a lot of ways. And both games are phenomenal games across the board. Right. It's really difficult to, between these two. I have a love and passion for Cuba. I know you're a huge fan of Nippon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both do have really great productions, really great representative maps and uh, things of that nature. Um, but I think what we're looking for, again, if if we go down to the second level is obviously what game really does feel um, truly thematic. And if it's going to be representative of the culture, I believe that the gold medal winner will be going with Nippon because it oh, is a okay. history of the country's development and exports during that industrial era, which is, again, an, an untold story. Of Japan, And I think that's a story that the game plays quite well.
1: Yeah, I agree. 100%. I thought you were going to go the other way, actually. So I was very surprised there. Plot twist. Um, I was going to have to argue with you. Now I don't have to. Uh, (laughs) I feel a little bad, though, because our gold, silver, and bronze, we have two out-of-print games and a very expensive game. (laughs) We do. (laughs) uh, If you're listening to this, you're like, I want to try those. Well, Nippon is on Board Game Arena. Indonesia is on. (laughs) <laughs> i forgot the website it's on and cuba good luck so cuba's uh, worth playing
0: cuba, the they're all
1: worth playing it's they just they are they're hard to find so i do apologize if you're interested in these games they are hard to find but and that that's kind of unfortunately indicative of these games that represent you know different cultures and different countries and different things that are not just the typical trading goods from sure. a white european country um they don't tend to stick around very long, which is unfortunate. So hopefully we see all three of these come back in the future.
0: Yeah. Again, I would, you know, if Reichlin Renick and uh Stefan Sadler want to reprint the game, dude, come see me because it's a, it's a fantastic game. A lot of fun with that. Uh Nippon recently got, I guess, a little mini expansion not too long ago, a couple couple years back before the pandemic. Um and they and they reprinted that game too. So um if you can find a copy of any of these games wonderful representations of the country and definitely deserving of the recognition and the medals. And again, please do visit these games, visit the countries of course, but obviously also visit these games, visit these games in the countries. And if you do that, like we gotta, we gotta do a thing for you if that's a thing you actually do. I'm just telling you, right? If you go play Indonesia in Indonesia, oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't know what we would do, but it would be awesome because we would, we would have to find send, at least send you a medal or something or a cardboard medal. I think that's that's what we would have to do.
1: <laughs> I kind of want to make a cardboard medal. Who do we know that can make a cardboard medal? I want, I, I want think, that now. Just the the BGA logo on a cardboard medal. We spray paint it gold.
0: That's right. Uh, I mean, I, again. Three fantastic games, three great representations of three countries while you're watching the Olympics at home. Seek out these games, get them to the table. You will enjoy them, again, based upon whatever weight you're kind of comfortable with. So that is the first half and our opening ceremonies for our, you know, BGA Board Game Olympics for 2021. Hopefully you've enjoyed these opening ceremonies. Hopefully this has been as fun for you as it has been fun for us and next episode next week will be our closing ceremonies which will actually be going through the best sports games of all time as they battle out to see again which is the best sports game because it's an olympic theme that we put together that we thought would be fun right cuz that's yeah. that's what we do you know so and uh so thanks you all for listening uh enjoy the olympics enjoy those games and until next time this is chris And this is Anthony. And we'll see you all at the Olympics 2021. Take care, everyone.